This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 195. Well, we've got Nate Wells back with us this week from the East Coast. He's, you know, he's doing a lot of national coverage these days. Nate, how are you doing? How you been? I'm good. I'm glad to be back with you guys. Although I think I jinxed the Gophers the last time I was on, but I mean, that's Minnesota sports. Yeah, that's just kind of how it is. But we're glad to have you back. I mean, you're one of our top guests. I mean, you're kind of you're almost up there at the top of as many shows as you've been on. So, we definitely enjoy having you on. So, Veeks, yep, planned all last I week. Enjoy being able to talk uh, hockey with you guys, Veeks. Yeah, Nate's having little issues with the internet. So, um, Veeks, um, got all prepped for last week. You even had an article ready to go for last week. We're done with the show. A couple days later. Alaska's got COVID, Matsko signed an extension, all this stuff happening, no hockey. What the hell? A lot of action, no hockey. I, was, I, I guess we can't be surprised if we've been paying attention to COVID numbers in Alaska. I mean, they are still right in the thick of things. So I think, you know, better safe than sorry. You're hoping to have a nice crowd in the arena. You know, you don't want to be bringing extra cases of COVID to that crowd. So I think they did the smart thing. You know, they'll play hopefully in January when they rescheduled the series. And we get to start the season over, kind of, and uh, welcome Mercyhurst to Mariucci Arena. Yeah, you know, we were kind of back and forth with Nate earlier today, and, and Nate's kind of like, well, what are we going to talk about? There were no games. But, uh, Nate, there's always something to talk about with Gopher Hockey. There's either There's something always happening, Nate. That is, that is true. There is something that's always happening. There's something always happening in college hockey as well. And we did have the uh, good opening uh, first weekend of uh, the men's hockey season. We got a lot of good exhibitions, a lot of games that counted. Uh, it's just really nice just to see my feed uh, filled up with uh, highlights and people talking college hockey. I kind of missed that after uh, the last six months. And, of course, really the kind of the big matchup nationally last weekend was, was Massachusetts and, and, and Minnesota State, Mankato, and, uh, you know, Dryden McKay, another shutout. And then the, the next night they come back, five unanswered goals or something like that. And uh, they're the number one team in the nation right now, Nate. They are. And, I mean, really the impressive thing with you, – you expect Minnesota State to come out strong with returning everybody from a Frozen Four team. Um, and UMass is – Having UMass brings back a good portion of the team that won national championship, but I mean they're missing uh, Lindbergh, uh, you're missing Zach Jones, uh, you're missing a few other guys, and bringing in some transfers that may need to take some time to uh, put together. But um, yeah, Minnesota State, you I mean, Dryden McCain shows he can shut out anybody. Uh, Gopher fans know it all too well. He's one from the NCAA record, which uh, I mean he can probably get that uh, by November at this rate. And just, I was really just impressed by uh, Mankato being down 
against UMass at UMass and coming back to win with uh, five, six straight goals uh, on the road. Uh, as much as uh, Mankato's had the demons of uh, playing Providence and Providence and having some leads disappear in the other way in the NCAA tournament, uh, it just kind of felt like it was right that uh, this Mankato team is able to uh, come back and win at anywhere, anytime. Well, kind of on the flip side, you know, this weekend, Viggs, that, that gives us a, a very nice matchup with St. Cloud heading down to Mankato. And uh, I think the part I just love is that we finally got some excellent college hockey back. Yeah, this weekend's going to be kind of one of those premier bragging right series in the state of Minnesota. I think you're looking at four teams in the state right now who all are right tight together. I mean, I think... Mm-hmm. You have to give Minnesota State tons of credit right now. They are deserving of being a top team. And until you knock them off, they're king of the hill. And Dryden McKay, very strong goalie. I don't know if you could have gone last year either way wrong, picking McKay or LaFontaine. I know a lot of Minnesota State followers are very fanatical about their team and feel like McKay got robbed. It's a it's such a close battle when you look at the two and you just look yeah. at the schedules and things like that. And when you go into evaluating this year, McKay's ahead. I mean, he played great against UMass. He gave his team a chance to win. And that Minnesota State roster is starting to develop itself where, you know, being down 2 nothing on the road to UMass isn't that big a deal. They know how to handle it and come back from it. So I think that's good for them to show their resilience. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a battle in the state this year. And and one thing people need to remember is that uh, the voting for that happened right after kind of the league tournaments. And, and right at that time, Dryden McKay kind of had, he didn't get him to the final game of the WCHA tournament. Um, obviously, LaFontaine kind of, they, they he went on his back and played well. I'm guessing, Nate, if they would have voted maybe uh, a little later after the regionals, they may have felt different about Dryden McKay. Oh, very much. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, Northern Michigan, like put up like a five or six spot on him yep. at uh, WCA. Yeah. Uh, uh, eh, I don't think it's really fine. I don't think it's final five anymore, but it doesn't really matter. All right. All right. Dead league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, you can't say that any at, at worst, you can't say that uh, McKay hasn't been a top two goalie in college hockey the last two plus seasons. Yes. Um, and I think any other team besides Minnesota State having to play UMass and St. Cloud to open the season would be in a lot of trouble. Um, there's only a few teams where you look at it. Everyone's kind of figuring things out. It's a really weird year. You know, a lot of transfers, a lot of people are kind of figuring out their teams to begin the season. They're not going to be where they start. They're going to be different, completely different where they end. And there's a few teams that they bring enough better back. They have a core. You know what they are um, at the start of the season. And Minnesota State's one of them. Um, and they get the play. They play, they play uh, St. Cloud, who's kind of another one. And UMass, they miss a few, but you still – they're the national champions for a reason. Um and I think you're kind of seeing that with these great series to start the season where these teams that are ready right out of the gate, um, at least are playing one another. Um, so what, 
So it obviously sets up something nice next weekend, possibly Viggs. If you know, if St. Cloud and Mankato have a great like a split or a couple ties or something along those lines, it could really set up for a nice weekend. You know, with home and home with Minnesota and St. Cloud. Um, but you know, you were at media availability this week. You know, for Minnesota, how disappointed were were the, were the boys in not playing? I mean, obviously, you get second practice, you want to start hitting some bodies. But that that must have been a kind of a disappointment to them. I think it's more of a letdown than a disappointment. You know, you're getting real excited to go to the show and you've got your tickets <laughs> and you've made your plans and maybe your family's coming. You're so excited to show off maybe your new stick or your new skates or something. Then you're getting ready and it's just like, oh, we don't get to play. <laughs> We're going to do a scrimmage. We get to wear our game jerseys, but it's a scrimmage and you know, it's really hard to draw that intensity up after that kind of letdown. And so I think the players are just like, you know, out of our control, let's reset. You know, we, we get a, a good run here with Mercyhurst to, to hit somebody else and uh, show our intensity in our forecheck and, and get all the jitters out. So I don't think it was so much of a disappointment as just kind of a letdown, like, okay, here we go again. Let's just get ready for the next week. Well, one thing it does do, Vig, though, is it kind of takes a a weekend off that would have happened in January. So, in reality, you know, they're going to hit, you know, early January. They've got an exhibition against you know, Team USA, U18. But then after that, it's every weekend. And, the and they're going to be missing guys from World Juniors for that series with Alaska about that time. Because I, I expect a couple guys from this roster are going to be playing for the red, white, and blue around that holiday time. And usually that gold medal game is right around you know, that January 5th, 6th, 7th. So. Ah, but I, I believe the games are going to be like around the 15th or 16th. I, yeah. I, aren't they the following weekend? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Let's take 14th, a look 15th, here. 14th, 15th. You're yeah. right. That's when they slept him in. But Michigan State is the seventh and eighth, and then so there could be got, some fatigue issues. And then the U eighteen is actually the third on a Monday. Just a chance to get all the go of these in. Um, Nate, you covered the national scene a bit more. Uh, do we know how Alaska Fairbanks is doing? Are they going to be able to play this week? Do we? It's been really quiet. It's just all of a sudden they're not coming. But I haven't really heard anything in the college hockey world about uh, how they're doing or what's going to happen right away here. Yeah, as of uh, now when we're recording, I really haven't heard much either uh, to see how things are going. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a tough it's a tough time uh, up in Alaska just with the COVID cases. Um, And it's I mean, it's a tough time. And I feel bad for Alaska because they took off. They're off all last season. Uh, the league that they're in pretty much all left to form another league without them. Kicked them out. They're the only ones. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the only ones remaining from uh, the WCHA uh, that is still playing this year. Cause Alabama Huntsville is taking the year off and uh, so is Anchorage. Um, so it's up to being independent and coming up with that schedule and trying to find teams and fitting things in when they do. So Hopefully they're able to play this weekend. Um, I again haven't heard anything, but I mean, health and safety comes first. Uh, if it's not possible um, that there's they're able to get games in when they can, but uh, like you kind of hope that it's great to see so many teams step up and schedule Alaska, kind of the same way that uh, we're seeing with uh, Arizona State and uh, uh, Long Island. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of amazing how many uh, independent teams that we have in college hockey right now. 
And then we got Augustana coming soon too. Uh, but um, you know, we've we've been talking about these Alaska schools though, Nate. It's it could be the beginning or the middle of the end here. Um, you can be you can be an independent probably maybe a little bit, and there's more independent teams now. But boy, up there in Alaska, Nate, it's it's tough. It's real tough. It, it is tough, and they do have the advantage of teams that go up there. You get the extra games. So for for some schools, you can take advantage of it. That's why, I mean, Minnesota is probably happy to do that uh, when they can fit in once every few years. Those two extra home games can certainly come in handy uh, financially or just, I mean, just be able to fit in another opponent. Uh, for As far as the Alaska schools and Huntsville and just all the independents, uh, they're almost banking on getting more teams in the college hockey world. So you have enough to either form a conference. I was kind of thinking about this when the, I wrote last week about, about the WCAJ. I uh, just kind of ran a eulogy about the WCAJ men's league going away. And one of the things that kind of stuck out just realizing while writing was that the WCHA's strength was it was always there for teams that kind of needed a home. It's tired in the fifties. You had all like the, the, you had the six West, six state Western schools, who are outside of the Northeast kind of need a home. It kind of evolved uh, as you got more schools in Michigan, Ohio, and just kind of went out to more of the upper Midwest. You took in the Alaska schools when needed. Uh, it took in Bemidji when you needed. And then of course, with realignment, it took in pretty much everybody who uh, wasn't in the Big Ten or NCHC. And we're kind of at a point where that's not exactly what's needed in college hockey. It's kind of evolved to that. But there's still kind of the possibility, especially for, again, those schools that are just right now independents, that you're going to need uh, a few more schools to fit in um, and fit in that spot. It uh, looks like Arizona, I mean, Arizona State's going to be a bit more uh, lucrative for uh, another conference once their their new rink opens next season. But you're still going to have, you have the Augustana, you're going to have the Alaska schools. There's probably a couple more on the horizon. Uh, we'll see how much COVID makes uh, the pandemic makes a difference, but you're still seeing that there should be more college hockey teams that are uh, on or schools that are going to sponsor uh, men's college hockey on the horizon. Like Illinois, right? Uh, Viggs, Illinois, right around the corner. They keep threatening to do it. You know, they just got to get those donors <laughs> lined up and uh, maybe get the sausage king of Chicago involved. And <laughs> nobody's better at finding those, uh, Illinois announcements than you, Nate. You you can find them just like that when the, it's coming. It's right. It's next week or whatever. That guy blocked me. He's going on. He's going on like a good decade. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, when Augustana, I was trying to think of like I think we're on the fifth school that's made an announcement, and that doesn't even include uh, Lindenwood wants to do it. Uh, Tennessee State's doing a uh, exploratory. You have a couple other schools that are kind of quiet about it, but. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I don't know uh, what's going on with them right now, but, uh, I mean, there really should be college hockey in Illinois. The fact that there's not is just a very uh, – someone, someone is missing out. Uh, the first school in Illinois that gets uh, college hockey and there's going to have a very big uh, recruiting uh, pond for themselves. Viggs, I'm thinking what really kind of say – what could save, I should say, maybe the Alaska schools is another Western team. There's just not any Western teams out there. You know, I saw so some people in the chat were talking about maybe, you know, a BC team, you know, some British Columbia bringing some Canadian colleges. There's a potential of that. But I'm thinking without something more Western 
or or maybe even like an Air Force and and uh, like CC or maybe Denver splitting off from the NCHC, which probably won't happen. But that's what they would really need to happen. They need a Western type of conference, probably to save their fate. It would help, I think, even if they got into a a league that could maybe do kind of like a Western division mm-hmm. in a in a more central division. You know, as there get to be more college hockey teams, that becomes maybe a little more feasible. And maybe you could see Atlantic hockey kind of splinter off a little bit and get into a more manageable group. And then it allows those teams also to play maybe some more non-conference games and maybe boost their budgets a little bit by getting some paychecks for playing bigger teams. But I think there's definitely enough players to make it happen. You see, especially this year with so many players being pushed back into juniors, and kids who maybe would be going to play juniors, play extra year of high school. You know, the pipeline's there to fill these college programs. There definitely is. Um, you kind of sat on this for the last week, Viggs. You were going to put this year. I've, I've maybe sat on this for a, almost a year. Okay, you have. But, <laughs> but you know, you obviously you mixed in kind of a little bit of a preview of, of this season a little bit. You talked about a few other things. But uh, your most popular article – Kind of yearly, which took the year off, is attendance, season tickets, tickets scanned, that whole thing. And 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 what you're seeing is a little encouraging, at least on the ticket scanned when the most recent year. But uh, mm-hmm. um, one thing jumped out right to me is you know season tickets now are below four thousand. I believe was it thirty seven hundred ish. Yeah, that, I mean they're going to be they're going to be trying to sell tickets through the end of the non-conference games before they play Notre Dame. But when you see season ticket sales under 4,000 for go for hockey, it just, it kind of makes me shake my head a little bit. They've been trying to reduce prices for season tickets, make basically tickets under $30 a game for a fan. And it's not making a big impact and they've got a good coach right now. And they've got a good team right now. Then it's not the cost. It's, it's, I don't think it is the cost. It's not the cost. It's people, honestly, they're still angry about the Big Ten thing. I That's the only thing that kind of really explains it, doesn't it? That really kind of started the, the bigger slide of season ticket sales. Yeah. I mean, Lou Nanny once said with the North Stars, he's like, he would fight so hard to keep a season ticket holder renewing every year because once you lose a fan, they're almost gone for good. And so Minnesota's got a big challenge on its hand to recruit new fans who don't miss the old WCHA and maybe don't know so much about the old final five and embrace the current era of gopher, you know, and this year I think will be a good example of, of whether or not that's possible because the game should be entertaining. They've had good non-conference games scheduled. They've maintained, they're not playing a bunch of, cheese puff games throughout the, the fall here. They're they're going to ramp it up here pretty quick. And it'll be interesting to see if the fans come back. You know, you, you talk about the non-conference games. There's a potential of St. Cloud doing very well next weekend and coming into Mariucci, number one in the country. That is your next door neighbor, number one in the country coming into Mariucci. That's pretty darn big, Nate. That should pack the house, but will it? Yeah, you'd think it would. And worst case, uh, as long as you assume Minnesota doesn't get swept or something crazy against Mercyhurst, it should be two top five teams. 
no matter what happens. Um, I was reading Vigo's article as well. Uh, I always got to read Vigo's stuff, plug it there. Uh, but uh, I was on an interesting where some of the teams and some of the names that came up uh, as reasons why people wanted to uh, wanted to watch uh, or teams that people wanted to watch were uh, the ones that uh, didn't have great uh, scans or numbers in them. I was really surprised at that St. Cloud game. I remember being there at the rink and just looking around the building and saying, this is Minnesota St. Cloud, two very highly rated teams playing well, and the building's half empty, like legitimately less than 5,000 people there for the game. And it just baffled me, especially with Minnesota State Bemidji playing earlier that afternoon, and you could buy one ticket and see both games. Isn't, isn't that basically like North Star Cup, what people had been clamoring for for a long time? And it's just, it, it baffles me that, that people made other plans that day. Um, do you also recall how bad – oh, wait, go ahead, Nate. I was going to say, I, I, I agree. And I feel like there's been times in past seasons before uh, the most recent one with fans that it's been a kind of similar with non-conference where – where, where, where the ones that maybe you think would pop up would be the ones that would be games that don't end up well. But yeah, I was completely surprised that you, um, when reading that, that the St. Cloud one was like pretty much the worst uh, of the season because, yeah, it, it's two fan bases that are close to one another. Um, there's a huge Twin Cities base for three or even all four teams that are playing that Mariucci. You think that'd be an easy one to, to get people into the building, um, stuff that people are climbing for. And yeah, it just didn't happen. And then you look on the other side that uh, it maybe uh, the Gophers were doing better that season that uh, you get more people in there. So maybe it might do just a little bit more uh, thinking about just worrying about uh, how the team is on the ice. But I'm, and again, we've also had times where the Gophers have been a top five team in the country and we've kind of been having the same conversation. So <laughs> it almost feels like just it's uh, we're just kind of talking in circles about attendance. We're talking circles about it, Viggs, but it's a legit concern for the school. I mean, you know, when you have um, basically almost, you know, with half the season tickets um, not happening like it used to, that's a ton more tickets you have to sell each and every night. So instead yeah. of instead of 7,000 to 8,000 season tickets already sold the entire season, you've got to cover 3,000 a night. Now you're covering more like 6,000 a night. And that is a huge number. I mean, and it can't be just, oh, we don't have the rivals. We don't play with rivals. North Dakota came in here a couple years ago. The Gophers weren't that great. Um, the place was pretty empty. I wouldn't say fully empty, but it was not packed. And the North Dakota fans easily outnumbered the gopher fans that night. And, uh, you know, go, North Dakota fans have always been able to get married. Chi. They always make noise, but they've never outnumbered them, but they clearly outnumbered them that night. So it's not the rivals. What is it? Well, you, you mentioned it, you know, when your season ticket base starts falling, now your marketing department has to try to sell way more seats than they've ever tried to sell before. And it's really a marketing department that's not staffed to do that. I think. And even worse at, now, even worse now, I think if you look at the university of Minnesota, you know, they're trying to sell tickets to Huntington bank right now. They're trying to sell football tickets for, for PJ Fleck because there's 
50,000 seats to sell in that building. And it's, you know, once a week, you know, prime time, PJ flex show, you know, that's where their effort is to try to sell tickets there. Once football season comes to a close, that marketing staff now has time and availability to, to maybe help sell hockey tickets. And we saw that a couple of years ago with the Wisconsin series, when they welcomed back the national championship team and they did the throwback pricing, you know, once you have that team available, you can start to put some of those things in motion, but they are just not staffed to try to sell 6,000 mm-hmm. hockey tickets a night. And so this weekend, you're probably going to see 4,000 fans in the mm-hmm. building. And I, I know the players have been talking, you know, there's going to be a good crowd. It's going to be fun to be in front of the band and, and the fans again. And it's going to be a little bit of a shock, I think, this first weekend for people watching on TV. I'm just prepping myself for my <laughs> tweet deck feed to be full of comments on Friday night about the building. And, uh, you know, is COVID still going on? Yes, it is. You know, but it's a separate issue for the half-empty building. I think for St. Cloud, we'll probably see a bit better crowd. And I think for Minnesota Duluth, we'll see a little better crowd. But it's going to be a slow start for the hockey program for attendance this year, I think. And, yes, we keep talking about it. We've been talking about it for years. But um, it's, like I said, it's the article each, each time you do it that gets the most attention, Biggs. And, yeah, there uh, are passionate fans. Yes. You know, but another thing we, we could talk about, though, is they're fully electronic tickets this year. And I saw someone even posting on GPL tonight. He was trying to get his, send his tickets this weekend to his 70-year-old uncle. And he's going to have to go over his house and do all this stuff to figure it out. So, you know, I, I don't know how many other places do all electronic. I, I don't know. Um, is that another concern we may have with trying to get, you know, people who don't have a smartphone or a way to print out in a, an electronic ticket. Is that a legit concern? I don't know if it's a legit concern because it's such a small minority of the fans. I'm pretty sure the ticket office has ways to, to help people who are trying to figure out how to get tickets in the hands of people who don't have a smartphone or can't have that technology, but that's the way things are headed. It's so much easier to transfer tickets with these electronic ones where you can just text it to somebody and they can see the text and add it mm-hmm. to their wallet. It's pretty seamless. It works pretty well when you go in the building to get the scan. And that's just the way things are headed. Definitely the way things are headed. Um, Nate, this season is the 20th anniversary of that uh, uh Miracle season, I would say, when they won the national championship after however many seasons. It was over 20 years. But uh, I'm thinking uh, we'll see some celebrations this year for that team again. Um, Maybe around that Wisconsin series. Who knows? Yeah, it's very doable. Um, And plus, I mean, they also are able to do all the uh, 100th uh, season celebrations this year that they weren't actually able to do for the 100th season of uh, go for hockey. So there's a lot that uh, Minnesota can do to uh, get fans in the building. I think also just, yeah, it's going to be important to get people excited about this team. There's a lot to be excited about this, uh, this group uh, who uh, are being brought back uh, pretty much the vast majority of the core returns. And it, it, it's always been, we've kind of like, we've, I, I know I've been on here multiple times where we talked about attendance and everything. And I always find the word disconnect between, 
the struggle between to get people into the building and the number of people who will click on anything that's a gopher article and it's always just one is always one is always high, much higher than the other um compared to pretty much any other team in college hockey when you mentioned minnesota so there's interest in minnesota hockey the tough part is getting that interest to be spending money and paying tickets especially now if we're talking about the, the prices and everything, there's also now the option for fans uh, in the Twin Cities to go uh, down to uh, Mendota Heights and watch uh, St. Thomas. That will be a choice for quite a few fans, especially once they get themselves a nice little building. It will be interesting to see. Well, you, you, I mentioned, you know, hey, they could bring back alumni and things like that. And one thing that didn't, the alumni didn't get to take advantage of last year was kind of an alumni area for those guys at Mariucci Vigs. And I, I actually texted you about it today. Uh, um, that's that's up and running now, isn't it? I mean, it technically would have been for last year, but no, nobody visiting. But uh, that's all completed at Mariucci now, isn't it? Yep, it's ready to go for the alums who get there. And I know Bob has been very intentional about making alums feel welcome back with the program. They kind of redid their golf tournament that they used to do with the Blue Line Club. Now the Blue Line Club's kind of gone away and they just made it an alumni event and they were down at Legends and they filled up the course with a bunch of old uh, gopher hockey players and they all had a chance to connect and, and talk and, and feel like a part of the program. And I know Bob really wants players to be able to come back together. And some of those players, as much as they want to see the games and, and all that, a lot of them just want to see each other. And so that mm-hmm. was the idea of the small alumni room for those those uh, former players to get together and relive the glory days and maybe take in a, a few moments of go for hockey. Yeah. And, and that's important because, you know, it, we hadn't seen much alumni recently uh, when they're able to come. So it's, it's, it's good that uh, Bob is, is embracing those guys. So looking forward to seeing a few of them hanging around. Maybe I'll try, I'm going to try to peek in there, see what it looks like. Yeah. You'll see it right on, right on your way by the arena. It's right in that corner. Um, by uh, university there. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking over here. I'm seeing that we've got some Twitter questions and uh, we're going to get to those in a minute. But uh, first we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers, Jerry Peters here from first class mortgage. Have you refinanced your home in the last 12 months? If you haven't, chances are you should. Record low interest rates and skyrocketing home values make this the perfect time to remove monthly PMI while improving your interest rate at the same time. You can also use the equity in your home to finance those home improvement projects. Or you can consolidate high interest rate credit cards into one new low monthly payment. To hear more, call or text me today at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Or you could go to firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. Mention the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842 This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. All right. Thank you, Jerry. As well. Keeps... Uh sponsoring us we just love that i'm gonna head up some questions that we have on twitter um i've got we got tim hapke from earlier today i'm gonna throw this at you uh vegs 
What are the expectations for the farm kid Jackson Nelson this year? Do you see him as a 20-point guy? Also, will he be on the number one penalty kill unit again along with Myers? Um, and actually, from what I heard from the media, it sounds like uh, he's actually on the power play, You know, maybe a little tree out in front. Yeah, he's on one of the three power play groups right now. You know, he's such a big body and he's going to be playing, you know, top nine minutes for the Gophers. He'll be on power play. I think, I think he'll be on special teams. I think they might split him up uh, from Myers on the penalty kill. He's working with Krutschenk on the unit. So maybe trying to figure out a way to space some guys out, maybe get some more killers. So we'll see what happens there, but I I'd be surprised if he doesn't get at least 20 points. And I think he's got a chance to approach 30 and he really started to hit his groove at the end of last year. And I think the one thing he's got to learn is how to play in his big body, you know, a big body like that. He likes to be physical. Sometimes he goes over the line in college hockey. He's almost got more of a pro game. And I know that there are some NHL teams who are keeping their eye on him because he projects to be a pro player, the way he's developed the last two years and the way he's coming into this year. So I think there's going to be a lot of eyes and expectations on Jackson Nelson. What do you think of Jackson Nelson there, Nate? Yeah, I really agree with the Vigs there where he's really coming to his own. Uh, he saw it towards the end of last season. And he's really become the player that you kind of thought that he could be uh, when he committed to Minnesota many, many moons ago. Uh, it's kind of funny thinking about this. Uh, where Nelson was the first 2000 to commit to Minnesota born player to commit to Minnesota. And the second Minnesota 2000 board player to commit to a school is Keandre Miller. So you kind of see their paths uh, go in different directions, but you're seeing it where uh, Nelson, what Nelson's been doing the past last season, just during the off season and getting his opportunities uh, entering this season, you're reminded why he is thought so highly and uh, why NHL teams are going to, probably be thinking and trying to get him to sign after after the season um especially if he's able to uh combine this and be just a high quality college player with uh with a pro potential and it, and it looks like he might get a chance to play with lucius this year and i think anytime you're playing with a guy who's got hands like that and you can deliver pucks to the net where there's going to be a lot of rebounds available could be a good season for jackson nelson looking forward to it looking forward to it um, Ryan Davis with Moscow signing a contract extension last week. There's rumors. This could be his last extension before retirement. Are there, is there any truth to these rumors or is it just baseless speculation? Uh, Viggs, um, I don't know if it's baseless speculation, but uh, Moscow says he, I don't want to be doing this when I'm really old. He did hint that, but at the same time, he is a hockey guy. You can just yep. tell he he's loving being around the team right now. He's even having a good time doing media. I saw him at practice today during the penalty kill time. He's getting his steps in by doing some whisks of the ice, you know, getting his uh, calories burned. And, and, and by the way, Vigo sent me that video. <laughs> it was very entertaining. <laughs> he's just kind of skating back and forth doing his thing. You know, I think Bob's very comfortable with the way the penalty kill is working. He's got Gordon and Rabs working at each end of the ice, and he can just go back and forth and uh, burn some calories. It's, it's entertaining. I think he's having fun. I think that's a long way to make a decision on what's going to happen. And to the further that, we got uh, Spokes 612. I'm going to throw this one at you, Nate. He was on the extension side, you know, 
in case he does decide to retire, is that something where Patoni can come in and take over the program? I'm hoping not, but what do you think? I mean, so much, so much would change between now. It's what he has. Moscow has four years between now and when the extension ends. Yeah. 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 So like so much, so much can change in four years. Just even think about, you were talking about Lucius there uh, a bit ago. Think about just the four years that have changed between when he committed at 14 to now actually being on here. Like, honestly, the surprising part is that he still is the, one of the top players in his age group and one of the top goal scorers. Uh, everything else I think has pretty much gone crazy around him. If I'm, I'm pretty sure anyone who had uh, Don Lucia will be the commissioner of the CCHA and will be like in month 20 of a global pandemic. <laughs> Any, anyone who that uh, was going to happen uh, when uh, he finally comes on campus is either be in like an insane asylum or like just won that $700 million Powerball. <laughs> I uh, I didn't have him uh, leading the CCHA either. So I thought he was going to go to USA Hockey for a little bit. You know, USA Hockey is looking for some leadership people. I I, I think Don wanted to be involved in the game. So I where were you, weren't you speculating a couple of years ago that he might wanted to get into television too? Yeah, I think he'd be a good analyst. You know, he 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 definitely can rub people a certain way, but he knows a lot about the game. Okay, Steve Larson here. We'll go throw this to you, Viggs. Do you think missing the Alaska series will hurt us against Mercyhurst? I don't think so. This team looks pretty dialed in. I was just talking about the penalty kill. This penalty kill unit looks way better than the one I saw Rabs working with when he first got on campus and was trying to get his kind of theory of penalty killing installed. You know, guys are going in the wrong spots all the time, and he's having to stop drills and, and restart all the time. Now they just run very, very smoothly. They've got leaders at the front of the line who know all the drills. This is a team that's primed to get going. I almost think it helps them maybe skipping the Alaska series and getting right to Mercyhurst because then they go from Mercyhurst to the 60-mile-an-hour speed limit. And I think maybe just playing the one weekend of this kind of non-conference warm-up hockey will be better for them in the long run. Mercer, here's a nice warm-up for him, uh, Nate. It, it's a good warm-up. It's probably the perfect team to have kind of be that second one where you have an Atlantic hockey school that brings back pretty much uh, a good portion of who they were last year. Uh, they weren't a great team last year. Uh, they're still kind of putting – they're putting young players into uh, big-time positions. Uh, they have uh, Danny Breer's kid, uh, which is kind of a crazy thing to, to think about. But they're um, so it's 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 a good it's a good test. Uh, I honestly I would have liked to have them play Alaska last weekend. Just kind of you have a team that uh, is playing their first game in over a year or so to kind of get the Kings out of there, kind of build up to Mercyhurst, and then build up into just yeah playing. I think pretty much other than Ohio State, it's pretty much just all it's a tough uh, it's a tough schedule through the 2021 portion. But yeah, I guess I guess I mean you can't really if you're gonna start with the Merce, like it's better to start with the Mercyhurst than uh, maybe doing the icebreaker or uh, bringing in uh, St. Cloud State or something like right in right away. Well, all that really matters to me is that barring something strange, we'll be at Mariucci Arena this weekend. Vegs, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't been in uh, Mariucci since uh, I, I just looked. It was March 8th of 2020. 
So it's been a while and you've been there recently, uh, just seeing practices and being media sessions, but you haven't been there for a game probably since about that time either. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just excited. (laughs) I'm just excited to hear the sounds of hockey the coldness of the arena. Uh, just a lot of things like that. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm going to be looking at these three power play units that Bob's been putting together and just try to test things out. He says that he's going to reward production and guys who produce on the power play are going to get to stay on the power play. I will believe it when I see it. I was just going to say that because you you said last year, he just kept throwing stuff out there, kept on the same thing. And you're like, you were pretty frustrated. I, I think at some point you look at your roster and you say, these are the guys I think have the potential to, to be good power play players. And I think maybe last year he looked at his roster and said, I've got maybe 11 of those guys that I think are power play type players. So what really am I going to change by, you know, putting a plumber in front of the net? You know, he's just going to keep plumbing. He's not going to turn into an artist and he's not going to be a goal scorer. He is what he is. I think this year's roster, it almost looks like they have four scoring lines and they've all got experience. They've played lots of junior hockey. They've been on the world stage. This is a deep roster. And so I think truly there's a lot of artists on this team to mm-hmm. pick from. And you find the ones that are producing and you put them on the power play. And I think that's kind of the difference this year as opposed to last year. Last year, he's just like, let's find some continuity and figure it out. This year, I think there's more competition. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited too. Now, Nate, you're over on the East Coast. Um, where are you going to try to be covering this year? Or what's do you know where your first game you'll be covering or be at? Uh, Cornell BU play Madison Square Garden in November, so I'm going to try to do that. Terrible place um, to see a game. Terrible yeah. place. <laughs> I've seen I've seen quite a few there. Um, there, I'm, I'm, I don't know really. I haven't figured out fully uh, what games I'm going to try to see, what teams. Uh, I have a few ideas for stories that I want to do. Um, uh, I, I know I'm going to try to get out to uh, Minnesota Penn State. I usually do that yearly. It ends up being pretty much. It's been basically like the, the middle end of February for about four years in a row now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love sticking that weekend uh, with the with the Big Ten schedule. So I'll probably get that out there. Um, I got a few, I want to, I want, I don't know if it's going to be this year or not, but I want to get up to Boston for a bean pot. I need to do it at some point. Um, just kind of knock that off a college hockey bucket list. Uh, every year I've just been, I've tried to do it. Uh, I was going to do it like maybe like three, four years ago. Uh, but it ended up being like a giant snowstorm. So, which I guess like historically happens about a bunch. So I do, I wasn't able to do it, but I'm, I'm still figuring things out a little bit. Uh, I guess just a year behind a little bit rusty on, uh, where I want to go, but I, was, I mean, I was excited. I went up to uh, Connecticut um, two seasons ago. Uh, did the Connecticut uh, Ice their their version of the Bean Pot? I went up to RPI and wrote about the Big Red Freakout, which was just a really unique, crazy uh, experience. And I know there's a few other ones that like are just on my list that I wanted to be able to write about uh, and cover for college hockey. Well, that's awesome. You're kind of our national guy now, so we're going to bring you in but also our gopher guy. Um, Viggs, um, you know, obviously you had this attendance article this week. Um, anything in the hopper for coming weeks that you're thinking about? Or what kind of direction do you want to go this year with some of your coverage? 
Uh, we'll probably be focused on some features. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the off seasons that uh, Barack Faber and Ben Myers had with Cal Dietz. And I'm going to kind of pull back the onion on some research I've done with Cal over the years on, you know, oh. training guys like Sammy Walker and Sam Paranta. I've, I've put a lot of work on it. I haven't found the right home for it. So, you know what? Uh, Go for puck live is my home this year. So we're going to share with you guys on there. So I think that'll be something uh, everyone can look forward to. Uh, I'm going to be making some uh, appearances on the soda pod this year. Nice uh, guy out here, state of hoppy. He's got some interests that align with mine, beer and hockey and, and Minnesota college hockey in particular. <laughs> so uh, that'll be fun this year. Uh, this weekend, I'll be publishing uh, some of my thoughts on the Motsko family and some of the comments from the players that I picked up that I think have been uh, the most poignant. Okay. Now, before we end the show, Nate, you know, we can preview and do whatever we want with Mercyhurst, but you know, basically the bottom line is win this weekend, but uh, obviously not winning or tying would be devastating to, to, you know, the pairwise and everything else, because these games matter. They do pairwise is back, baby. Yeah. Take that smoky back rooms. Um, <laughs> we think. But yeah, no, it's basically a bad loss is so much worse than, than a quality win um, when it comes to the pairwise. And especially this, these games that this is the only series that Minnesota has against Atlantic hockey. They need, they need these two wins. They might be just even more important uh, at the end of the year than almost any other, almost any other one, because they're going to play a few games against the NCHC. They'll have some CCHA games, which also getting weird to say that they'll have some CCH games, (laughs) CCHA games. I can talk, Um, but they don't really have many out East and you need to win those comparisons. If you lose a game or so against Mercyhurst and Atlantic hockey, uh, a conference in Atlantic hockey, that it's a conference that really struggles to get more than one bid in the NCAA tournament. If you're losing a lot of those comparisons and a lot of those comparisons out east, it's going to crush you in the pairwise come March. Uh, there's going to be a lot to have to go and make up. A couple 10 zip wins there, Viggs. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking we'll see some Culver's each night. And as much as, as Bob likes to say that he's only focused on Minnesota coming in this weekend, that's not what they're doing in practice. They are prepping for an opponent like they normally would. You know, they take a very good look at special teams history and they figure out what they want to have for a plan of attack, both with the kill and the power play. I think when it comes to five on five play, Minnesota is going to want to dictate the pace. And I think all that feeds into their game plan going in about speed, about transition, about effort. And Bob's going to be able to roll four lines. And if a line's not performing, he's going to be able to roll the other three. And I, I think you're going to see some short leashes this year. And uh, he's going to be looking for productivity. He definitely will be. He definitely will be. So let's do this. False start last weekend. Let's get it going this weekend. Well, Nate, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. We always love having you on. Always, always make time for you guys. And remember, you can follow Nate on uh, at Gopher State on Twitter. And you still have your gopher blog don't you i i do for the time being yeah and uh, i'm gonna put up some uh thoughts on the gophers uh, uh from when we're recording this will be uh, up on thursday 
Um, spoiler alert, I, I, am, I am high on this team. I think that this is kind of the culmination of uh, why you bring in Bob Motzko. Uh, yes. You have, you have uh, upperclassmen who are leaders and have uh, kind of gained that experience through trials and tribulations. You have young players who are all on the upswing for recruiting. You are bringing in some, a couple older freshmen, a guy like Brett Pitlick. And you have an insane death on the blue line, which I think you might have to go back to those 13, 14 teams to say the last time that Minnesota's had a, a defense this good. And heck, I didn't even just talk about the uh, the Mike Richter award winner and that, that comes back. So <laughs> um, we, 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 we began this podcast talking about teams that uh, – are in a really good spot to begin the season and uh, return a lot. Uh, you put Minnesota in that group. Uh, I, I, I think there might be teams that have a higher ceiling than the Gophers, but I don't know if you can say that uh, anyone's floor is as high. Uh, this should be a good year to go for hockey and the expectations are, are there for it. So looking forward to it, especially after that false start. So, well, that's, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL Podcast. I want to thank uh, Nate Wells for joining us again. And next week, we've got Pat Micheletti back on the podcast. So that, that should be a ton of fun. You know, For those of you uh, currently watching live on YouTube, stay tuned for a bit of overtime. For the rest of you, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. 